So, welcome to it. It is Chewing the Fat. Lego just unveiled its largest set ever. I'll let you write your own jokes. Nah, just teasing. You know what I'm talking about. Don't... (laughs) Don't take it that way. So, over the last 70 years, the color size and all the connectivity of Lego sets have, you know, evolved. But it still makes them kind of cool, right? And my wife hates them, but I love them. I I love them. Now, this new set, their largest set ever, is the Colosseum. 9,036 pieces. I want it. I want it bad. Again, write your own jokes. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Okay, so I can't stop looking at the Lego story because it's got the top 10 most pieces sets. And, you know, number 10 is the Tower Bridge, which is really cool. Uh, That's 4,295 pieces. Uh, Coming in at number 9... The uh, Ghostbusters Firehouse Headquarters, eh, 4,634 pieces. That's kind of cool, I guess. It's all right. The, uh, number eight, the Star Wars Imperial Star Destroyer, 4,784 pieces. Uh, number seven, the Ninjago City, which uh, is pretty busy. Actually, that's 4,867 pieces. And that looks like it might be fun putting it together because that's a a lot of different pieces. Oh, you can quote me on that. And then we have the uh, Star Wars Ultimate Collector's Millennium Falcon. That is 5,197 pieces. And that looks okay. Uh, it doesn't look too bad. And then you have the Harry Potter Diagon... Diagon Alley? Is that what it is? I'm, I know your Harry Potter people are going to be mad at me. It's the Harry Potter Diagon Alley. Uh, it's probably Diagon or Diagon. 5,544 pieces. Then we have the Taj Mahal, which looks really cool. 5,923 pieces. I kind of like the castles. I have this one, Harry Potter Hogwarts Castle. Yeah, really cool. 6,020 pieces. And then you have the Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Now, that one is 7,541 pieces. That looks better than the other Falcon. And then, of course, the brand new one that they're releasing, the Coliseum, which I want. The Coliseum. I want that bad. 9,036 pieces. All right. I'm done with it. I just, it's been, we used to have so many of them and, uh, my wife, Amber does not like Lego sets now. So we build other stuff and, you know, paint and draw and everything else. But when, uh, my oldest son was real little, he was a Lego freak. So we had like 8 billion Legos and, you know, every little set and every little party, you get a little box that has, you know, I don't know. 50 pieces or 60 pieces and you build it and then you know you hold all the like same pieces in little rubber made boxes so you have them for other building it's just amazing i just i just love them anyway (laughs) 
I'll, I'll move on. We can talk about the story that everybody's been tagging me in for the last uh, you know day and a half. Pope Francis's Instagram account appears to like a bikini model's photo. Well, you think, okay, well, really? A, the first thought is the Pope has an Instagram. Yes, he does. Uh, so, but there's no proof that the account liked it. Okay. Uh, the girl, this, uh, Natalia Garabato, 27, she posts, uh, pictures of herself in racy costumes and, you know, she's okay. She's fine. I would hit the like button if I happen to scroll past it. But, uh, according to her, the Pope liked her Instagram shot. Okay. Of her in, uh. Well, you know, in the outfit that she's in. I mean, there's reason that the Pope would thank God for that, I guess. (laughs) So, A, uh, there's no, it's gone now. And it's just her word saying that the Pope liked the account. So, I mean, is it true? I don't know. Could it be true? I guess. I mean, there's, I've, if you have Instagram, if you're scrolling through your account, if the Pope is just, you know, dozing off and he's scrolling through some, some Instagram stories, you know, or just on the search button and you're just scrolling through it and you see a pic and you stop and, and, you know, maybe he's saying a prayer for her and he just touched the screen and it hit the like button. And then he realized, ooh, I don't want people to know I like that. So he unliked it. But right now it's saying that there's, you know, no Pope like on the post. So it's just her word against the Pope's. Now, as much of an issue as I have with this Pope, I'm going to take the Pope's word over the Instagram influencer telling me that uh, the Pope liked her shot. So, amen. So, let's talk a little bit about CVS and Walgreens and Walmart and maybe some Rite Aid thrown in there and maybe a little good RX on top of that, sprinkled on top, just a little good RX. They have all got to be shaken in their boots just a little bit. Why? Because Amazon has now launched their online pharmacy here in the United States. I mean, that could be trouble. That could be trouble. Remember back a couple years ago, they bought that uh, pill pack. Well, they've been using that and integrating that in with Amazon. And so... You're going to get be able to get your medicines from Amazon. The Prime customers, two free two-day delivery. Um, shipping might take up to five days, according to this story, for first-time customers, as it takes time to transfer medication. If you don't have Prime, you can get free delivery within five days, or you can pay $5.99 to upgrade to two-day delivery. Now... I mean, that's, I hope that, you know, Walmart and Walgreens and CVS, for example, have really been pushing their, you know, re-up and online delivery and orders. Um, there better be like, a, you know, maybe a first stop pharmacy 
Uh, maybe that will come, you know, that's right outside the hospital or whatever, first stop pharmacy. So if you're in the hospital or you go to see your doc and he says, you need to get, uh, you know, this particular medication. And so he'll write you a script for, you know, he'll shoot the online order to the, you know, first stop pharmacy, get you two days worth. And then he'll shoot the other order to Amazon and then in two days, you'll get your 30-day supply or 28-day supply, however they want to work it. Uh, CVS and Walgreens better be finding a way to get involved with Amazon. And I think that's the way to do it, really. Uh, maybe have uh, direct, direct prescriptions shot to you. And then Amazon will deliver the rest, something like that, so that at least it keeps them in the loop. These are just ideas. I'm just throwing them out there for you. Just throwing out ideas. That's all. That's all I am. Just an idea man. That's it. <laughs> I mean to tell you, um, wow, that is uh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because uh, Amazon is taking over the world. I know. And you look at me, good, that's a great thing. It kind of is. But then again, maybe not. In the words of uh, Lemire, the candelabra in Beauty and the Beast. Then again, maybe not. So anyway, uh, Jack and Mark testified yesterday. And like I said, <sighs> what's going to come of it? We got some, we got, a, you know, we got a few great clips from it. We've got, uh, we had, you know, them answering questions with their lea- legality answers and their, Whoa, people sign up for it. Uh, we're no, that's the way it is. They, people agree to our terms of service and our policies. Correct. They do Jack, but that's not the point. And you know it. But, uh, and then they caught Mark uh, off guard. The one senator from Missouri caught the, you know, Zuckerberg off guard with his internal communications uh, uh, software that they also share information with Google and Twitter. And he wouldn't uh, say that he would turn over the communications from that software. He was like, well, I'll have to, you know, look into it. I can't, uh, no. And, and, you know, the gut, the, Senator was like, well, we could subpoena it, but it'd be better if you just give it to us, you know, say it's okay. And oh, Senator, I have to look at that. I'm not aware. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything, uh, you know, that, uh, is, uh, you know, priority and uh, covered up. Okay. Thanks Mark. But what comes of it? I don't know. I don't think anything, right? Jack looked good. It looked better. Had his hair cut, had it combed, had the beard trimmed up a little bit He, you know, he, you know, obviously uh, last time uh, was coming off his, you know, retreat in Southeast Asia with, uh, you know, coffee enemas and uh, uh, yoga and meditation. So this time he looked a little bit more alert and cleaner. But uh, then we get the news that Twitter uh, earlier this week on uh, day before yesterday, for those of you listening live on the 18th of November, 2020, Twitter named this uh, Pieter Zetko, uh, the hacker extraordinaire, goes by the name Mudge. Uh, he's the new head of security. <laughs> and so he answers to Jack, 
that's it. He's going to have, uh, he's looking over everything now. He's, you know, looking over everything for a 45 to 60 day review. I bet you that only lasts about 30. And then, uh, he's going to examine all the information, security, integrity, physical, physical security, platform integrity. And, uh, you know, in this story, they talk about which starts to touch on abuse and manipulation of the platform and engineering. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. But if you think, I mean, he's getting ready to do whatever the hell he wants to do with Twitter, right? Because this guy used to work for Google. He's worked for the Pentagon. Uh, he's worked for, you know, for DARPA, the Pentagon. He's worked for, uh, uh, what was the other company that he worked for? Gosh, darn it. I can't remember the name of the company that he worked for after DARPA. Shoot. But it doesn't matter. He is, uh, you know, hacker extraordinaire. Uh, no question. So, you know, I know he was part of the, you know, only us insiders know this, that he was the leader of uh, the cult of the dead cow, the hacking group. Uh, well, I mean, you remember them because they were notorious for releasing Windows hacking tools in order to goad Microsoft into improving security. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, look, Twitter's have been having problems anyway, but, uh, they're going to, they're going to be, they want to be able to tell people you're off of Twitter. You can't come on Twitter. We're not going to get hacked. We're not going to get hacked from different com- countries, let alone companies. So they're getting ready. They are getting ready, and that's a that's a little scary. That's a little scary. So this doesn't help Harvey Weinstein at all. But the NYPD sergeant who oversaw the Weinstein probe transferred to a new assignment, which means uh, go away, and we don't want to see you. Now, she's the focus of an internal investigation over uh, timesheets and vehicles being used. So Sergeant Carrie Thompson, she commanded the NYPD's elite DNA cold case squad transferred to the 66th precinct as a special assignment sergeant. (laughs) That means sit back over there in the corner and zip it. Uh, Yeah, because the transfer is administrative. Oh, okay. Uh, No problem. So apparently internal affairs uh, has been taking... uh, books from the special victims division and uh dna cold case squad and the manhattan special victim squad and she's the common denominator she signs in and out of all three of those for uh money time uh time time clocks vehicles uh anything else so she was paid in 2019, $177,052. That's a pretty good gig. I'm sorry to disappoint the people that want the police to make more money, but that's not a bad gig. I'm not saying she didn't earn it. I'm not saying she wasn't worth it. I'm just saying that's not a bad gig. Now, according to records, her base salary is only $125,531. 
And you can well understand how someone could struggle on that. But uh, apparently she racked up 414.5 hours of overtime. And that may be where they're getting into, uh, where they're getting into problems, right? Uh, they said uh, misuse of time, department vehicles. Okay. But they made sure that they said that the probe doesn't involve day-to-day investigative work or any particular sex crimes cases, which means it has nothing to do with any cases, and you're not coming back to us saying, oops, uh, she screwed up a case. No, this was all uh, other issues. She's the one. We saw her walking Harvey in uh, when he was was first arrested. I think that was her. She was the one. She She was the one, man. And don't forget the other detective... That in the Weinstein case, uh, he was kicked off as the lead investigator, accused of coaching a witness to withhold evidence that could have helped the disgraced uh, movie mogul. And, I, and that that did hurt because that re- led to the dismissal of one of the criminal charges. So you know you gotta you gotta believe if you're Harvey, you want something like that from her, and which is why they made a point of saying. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 day-to-day investigative work or any particular sex crime cases. We're not involving any of that. Okay. All right. Keep it that way. Oh yeah. We've got an update too in operation varsity blues. Operation Varsity Blues. So, uh, Lori is in jail, and we've talked about that, and she's going to get out before Christmas, uh, the latest Christmas, but I am predicting that she'll be out by the 18th. Um, Hubby, Mosimo Ajinanathi, is getting ready to go into prison, and there's new pictures of him. He's got a beard now, and according to the article that shows the pictures of him, they call it a crew cut, but that is not a crew cut, my friends. He has shaved his head, man. He is getting ready for prison. He's expected to go in tomorrow, uh, the Thursday, the 19th of November, and he's got to spend both Thanksgiving and Christmas at uh, Lompoc in Northern California, and he'll be released around Easter. So... <laughs> According to the story, the uh, the institution that he's going to, and I don't know that this is true, but it's funny, encourages arts and crafts and allows table games and music programs. <laughs> so that's good for the designer, right? He'll be able to, you know, do some arts and crafts and create some things, play a little ping pong, listen to a little music. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun five months. And I'm sure that Lori will call when she gets out and say hey moss you know i love you baby but i can't come and visit you right now i gotta stay home so i love you and i know you're still pissed at me for getting you into this mess but uh you know have fun doing your arts and crafts and table games and listening to music love you (laughs) (laughs) That is 
awesome. So he's ready. He is ready to go. Beard and bald head. And these will show up tomorrow. And he'll be all ready to serve his time from Operation Varsity Blues. I may let this whole thing go. Tonight's episode, Shaved Head. Oh, no, we got to go with skin. <laughs> Operation Varsity Blues. Tonight's episode, Skinned Head. <laughs> Bearded Face. Oh, tonight's episode, Arts and Crafts. That's it. That's the title of the show. Yeah. Operation Varsity Blues. Oh, I got to do it again. Hold on. Operation Varsity Blues. (laughs) Operation Varsity Blues. Tonight's episode, Arts and Crafts. Let's go to the break room. I can. Oh man, I need a drink. Desperately, something cold, refreshing. <sighs> oh my gosh, much better. All right, so uh, we're in the break room. I might as well tell you that uh, Conan has now uh, got plans to end his nightly show on TBS in june of next year so he's got to work until june then he extended his deal with warner media he's going to do a weekly variety show on hbo max that's a good deal for conan that's a heck of a deal man wow but he's not going to do a a late night talk show host uh duties after june it's gone he's done it for 28 years now my gosh my gosh and he's been on TBS since 2010. So he's done that for 10 years. And I must say, I watched Conan, I guess it was last summer when um, we were, oh yeah, we were in the hotel because we were staying there because after the tornado hit the house. And for some reason, Conan, you know, I was laying in the hotel room and I was—I hadn't watched Conan in a while, so I—I I a long, long time, and so I watched Conan. He was live at Comic Con, I think, and he was great. It was really good. I was really—it was a good show. It was fun, and uh, it was—it was well worth the watch. So I was—you know—it's not surprising that uh, you know that he's going to go to HBO Max and do a variety show. I hope it works out for him. And his quote. Uh, was great when asked about going to HBO Max. He said in 1993, Johnny Carson gave me the best advice of my career. And you know, I'm I love Johnny Carson, so I'm like, cool. <laughs> he said as soon this is Johnny Carson gave him this advice as soon as possible, get to a streaming platform. And I'm thrilled that I get to continue doing whatever the hell it is I do on HBO Max, and I look forward to a free subscription. 
awesome. So good luck, Conan. I mean, I do I care if you do good or not, but I'm happy that you're, that you're doing that. So we talked a little bit about rules and regulations the other day with some of the parties that were being stopped at uh, in New York this past weekend. Well, a New Jersey woman pretending to be a member of an animal rescue group has been charged with illegally prescribing medication to treat a sick puppy that she sold to a customer. They should hang her in town square by the toenails. That cannot be. We cannot have that. (laughs) So she was arrested Friday because a customer reported to the police last month that her Westie Cavalier King Charles Spaniel puppy mix became sick. Okay, you bought a dog and it became sick. And she contacted Abrams saying, and this is who went to jail, this Dawn Abrams. Uh, She contacted Abrams saying the two-month-old puppy was sick. Now, Abrams informed the customer that, oh, you know what? I've got medication to treat the pet. (laughs) So she provided the customer with some medication dosage uh, or veterinary information. Okay. Now, they also found that Abrams sold the puppy outside a pet shop in Lumberton Township and claimed to be affiliated with an animal rescue group. Why is that not the people who are buying the dog's fault? They're just assuming. So the group has said, oh, no, 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 no. We do not have anything to do with that Dawn Abrams. So she must be a little. But uh, (laughs) she kept claiming she was part of this organization and we can't have that. You cannot claim that you're part of an animal rescue organization when you're not. Why not? What does, I mean, is that sacred ground? I guess so. I guess it is. Now, we don't even know if she ever worked for the group. Okay. And the puppy recovered. So what are we doing here? She charged with, she's charged with impersonation of an animal rescue person. Come on now. Unlicensed practice of medicine. Okay. She's helping somebody out with a sick dog. Unlawful distribution of prescription drugs. Are you kidding me? She gave them. This is out of control. Out of control. And the puppy's still alive. The puppy got better. So she didn't do anything. She made people think that she worked with an animal rescue group. And she didn't. That bitch. Then the puppy that she sold, when the people called her, amazingly, she gave them the correct contact information. And she said, oh, yeah, no problem. I've got some medicine for you. And then she hooked them up with uh, some dosage and veterinary information. The horror. This is just a bad person. Man, do I wish I was an attorney. I really, I really wish I was an attorney. That's the kind of stuff that just ticks me off. I, I tell you, you know, I'm part of the Jeff Fisher Animal Rescue Group. We're here selling little puppies. 
Why is it not up to you to go? Are you? You got any any special rescue operation badges or anything that you wear? (laughs) I mean, come on. Does it matter if I buy a puppy? I'm still stuck on this. If I buy a puppy and I think that I'm buying it from someone who's affiliated with this uh, animal rescue foundation, okay? And I take it home, and it gets sick, and I call that person, and I and that person helps me out, and the dog gets better. What does it matter? That's just incredible. <laughs> Hey, I'm Jeff Fisher, and I want you to subscribe to Chewing the Fat. All proceeds go to the Jeff Fisher Animal Rescue people. And so, well, I better not go to jail for impersonating an animal rescue person. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Hey, just subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to this show right now and you're not a subscriber, make your life better and feel better about yourself. That you're not such a, you know, that kind of person. And you want to be a better person. You want to turn your life around. And you can start by subscribing to Chewing the Fat. Just choose a platform. There's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. There's a plethora of platforms out there that you can choose from. And then subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Then your life will be that much better for it. I promise. Okay? All righty. <laughs> and then you might as well hit the YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Got a new, uh, got some new stuff coming out. Uh, going through, want to do another pillow talk with my wife. Uh, here, I think we're going to, if you're listening live on the 18th of November, 2020, I think we're going to record it today. We're going to go through uh, the stack of movies, uh, you know, her movies, my movies, our movies, and just kind of uh, show you, you know, which ones we watch, which ones we like, and you know which ones we don't like, that kind of thing. It'll be fun. And so you're going to want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher, and click the notification bell so you know when the videos post. Okay? Yeah, do that. And then you might as well follow me on social media, at JeffyJFR on Twitter. Jeff Fisher Radio is Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor. So you just come along for the ride. Okay, my friends? Come along for the ride. So we always talk about I have different criminals, and I love I love criminals. I really do. They're some of my favorite people. Some of my favorite people on the planet are criminals. But one of the reasons that some of them just make me laugh, and I don't like them, is that they're not real bright. I know, right? As a surprise. Okay, I know, I get it. But some of them just aren't bright. Now, a South Carolina man. Uh, accused of being a porch pirate all right there was he had stolen packages uh, that had been left on porches uh, in his in his neighborhood all right and uh so he got arrested for it and he had to go to court all right so he went to court in the same outfit that he was wearing when he was stealing the packages so 
when they played the video in court of the alleged robbery, uh, there he was looking exactly the same way that he did when he stole the packages. So maybe you change your clothes. What do you think? Maybe you change your clothes. It's just a thought. I know it was just a thought. <laughs> so yesterday, uh, I had an auction. Uh, joking, I was thinking about the the uh, vaccine auction because uh, Pfizer had uh, come out with the ninety percent, and then uh, uh, BioNTech came out with their ninety four point five percent. Uh, and now today, Pfizer came back with 95%. So do I hear 96? Do I hear 96%? Do we have that for the vaccine? Do I hear 96? Now there's seven more companies that are, you know, struggling to get that vaccine out. But these two companies, uh, it, uh, Pfizer Pfizer and Biotech are together. And then the other one is Moderna. Uh, Moderna was the one that said 94.5. And then Pfizer came back with the Pfizer Biotech came back with the 94. 95 that's awesome that's awesome uh no did we say did we say 90 no 95 <laughs> do i hear a 96 please do i hear a 96 i don't know maybe we'll hear it someday i mean we got to hear it soon man there's some states going into a hissy fit they are locking down again i told you i told you it felt like these states were going to start locking down again it just feels like we're going into this massive lockdown. And if we actually do get Joe Biden as president, he wants to lock us down too. So the states will have, you know, their, yeah, we could lock down four to six weeks. Let's go. Let's just kill every business and every personal income of all people. They can all be dependent on us. That'd be great. Okay. Sure, the numbers are going up, but people do not want to be in a lockdown. They have had enough. That's not what we do. And on top of that, uh, it's not only in the United States of America, okay? German police have started clashing with protesters angry at Merkel's coronavirus law. Yes, that's right. I mean, they've, they're unleashing water cannons and pepper spray to scatter protesters and these protesters are angry about a new legal framework for enforcing coronavirus restrictions passed by parliament oh really that's weird that uh, something like that would happen like that in germany so the police detained 190 people and nine officers were injured all right so demonstrators far right some far right radicals opposed the legislation to enshrine in law powers to impose steps such as curbs on social contact rules on mask wearing drinking alcohol in public and shutting shops down <laughs> yeah okay you know we we're all very unhappy about that right now the critics are like uh you know they were okay with what they're calling lockdown light, which is where we were at, where most places around the country were, uh, most places, were in lockdown light, right? Because we believe, most of us, that, you know, we need to slow the spread. We got it, but we can't be locked up. We just cannot, you know, we shouldn't be in jail for us. Now, it's funny how people in Germany are saying that uh, they have compared this new amendment with the 1933 Enabling Act 
that paved the way to Hitler's Nazi dictatorship. Huh. So, lockdowns, and when the government starts controlling businesses and what humans, single humans, can do without being uh, following the rules and regulations of the government, that could lead to a Nazi dictator. Hmm. So weird. So weird. Okay, speaking of coronavirus and protests and waiting on a vaccine, apparently there's research conducted by Cardiff University found that mouthwash may be able to kill COVID-19 within 30 seconds of exposure. Okay. And they, you know, it's preliminary, of course. And they've yet to be peer-reviewed. So don't get your hopes up by this. But according to this, uh, mouthwash can reduce the levels of coronavirus in a patient's saliva. So mouthwashes containing 0.07% of the ingredient... Cetylpyridinium chloride. Yeah, if it contains that, then uh, you're good. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Um, So it showed the promising signs. So if you have mouthwash, you know, in the cabinet, look to see if it has... Cetylpyridinium chloride. Yeah, so if you have that, that's great. And, uh, you know, again, it's not peer-reviewed. So... We don't know if it's, you know, actually there. Um, the findings support another recently published study, which identified that CPC-based mouthwashes are effective in reducing the viral load of coronavirus. Now, the scientists conducted tests in a laboratory mimicking the conditions of a person's nasopharynx and orphopharynx, orpharynx passages, you know, your nose and your mouth, using a mouthwash brand such as Dental. Uh, but, hey, Venture Life, which makes Dental, uh, provided the information to the study, but did not fund it. So that's, I mean, that actually makes it better, right? Uh, they're going to give some money to the next study. They say, but well, yeah, because this study said that it works. They want to prove that it does now. Heck yeah, we'll give you some money now. Uh, hey, dental, you know what? I think that it, uh, it uh, works too. I know you haven't given me any money yet, but uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to some more tests. So, you know, if you'd like to send me some cash, uh, maybe even some mouthwash, uh, that'd be great. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a study and uh, I'll tell you how it works out. Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh, you know what I keep forgetting to talk about, too, is did you see where CNN may be for sale? If the rumor is out there that it's for sale, uh, it is for sale. They are looking to dump CNN, AT&T. AT&T. It says in the story that AT&T is $150 billion in debt. Wow, that is a lot. And they are looking to save some money. Just a little bit. 
just a little bit. And I bet you CNN is sucking that place dry. So the only real person, right, that you'd think has the resources, has the uh, know-how, and really would want it because they can use the infrastructure of CNN to promote everything that they own is Jeff Bezos, Amazon, Uh, you know, ANN, CNN, Amazon, Amazon, CNN. He could promote everything from goods and services to transportation to entertainment. He's the guy. He's the guy. Look for it to happen soon. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. All right, so we talked about this yesterday that I would get into this, and it's, uh, you know, things to look ahead, things that are going to happen in the future. Meta trends. Peter Diamandis uh, wrote this article, and I'm, you know, he wrote it for Medium, and it's 20 meta trends for the 2020s. And I went through them, and it's a little scary. And some of it's really cool. Like continued increase in global abundance. The number of individuals in extreme poverty continues to drop as the middle income population continues to rise. This, according to him, is driven by the convergence of high bandwidth and low cost communication. Uh, Ubiquitous AI on the cloud, growing access to AI aided education and AI driven healthcare, everyday goods and services, finance, insurance, education, entertainment are being digitized and becoming fully demonetized, available to the rising billion on mobile devices. I would say that uh, capitalism uh, is involved in that. I don't think Peter thinks that, but we'll see. Uh, Global gigabyte connectivity will connect everyone with everything everywhere at an ultra low cost. Okay. Uh, You know, I'm a fan. Let's do it. I'd like to see that. Today's skyrocketing connectivity is bringing online additional 3 billion individuals driving tens of trillions of dollars into the global economy. Okay. Well, let's get into low cost Let's get into that low-cost uh, connectivity, shall we? Uh, I like that very much. An average human health span will increase by 10-plus years. Wow, that would be huge. A dozen game-changing biotech and pharmaceutical solutions currently in Phase 1, 2, or 3 of clinical trials will reach consumers this decade, which adds uh, time to the human health span. Stem cell supply restoration... Uh, WNT pathway manipulation, senolytic medicines, a new generation of endo vaccines, GDF-11 supplementation, and NMD, NADs, among several others. Uh, huge. Those are making a, a, a inroad right now. And as machine learning continues to mature, AI is set to unleash countless new drug candidates ready for clinical trials. Okay. Yeah, because then now we're going to get into, uh, then you're talking about genome sequencing, CRISPR technologies, AI, quantum computing, cellular medicine. Holy cow. Uh, Number four, age of capital abundance on Peter's list. We'll see increasing access to capital everywhere. Huh. Over the past few years, humanity hit all-time highs in the global flow of seed capital, venture capital, and sovereign wealth fund investments. While this trend will witness some ups and downs in the wake of future recessions, it is expected to continue its overall upward trajectory. Okay, I mean, I hope that is true. 
I hope that's true. He's talking about, you know, billions in crowdfunding uh, money uh, ready to go. Augmented reality and spatial web will achieve ubiquitous deployment. The combination of augmented reality yielding Web 3.0, the spatial web, and 5G networks will transform how we live our everyday lives, impacting every industry from retail and advertising to education to entertainment. Consumers will play, learn, shop throughout the day in a newly intelligent, virtually overlaid world. This will be driven by the convergence of hardware advancements, 5G networks, artificial intelligence, material science, computing power. Everything. We are... It's, uh, we're all connected. It's one big happy family. Everything is smart, embedded with intelligence. Right. I mean, it's all big one happy family. The price of specialized machine learning chips is dropping rapidly with the rise in global demand, combined with the explosion of low-cost microscopic sensors and the deployment of high-bandwidth networks. We're heading into a decade wherein every device becomes intelligent. Your child's toy remembers your face and name. Your kid's drone safely and diligently follows and videos all the children at their birthday party. Appliances respond to voice commands and anticipate your needs. Are we having fun yet? Are we having fun yet? AI will achieve human-level intelligence. As predicted by Ray Kurzweil, the futurist, artificial intelligence will reach human-level performance this decade by 2030. Through the 2020s, the algorithms and machine learning tools will increasingly made open source available on the cloud, allowing individ- any individual with an internet connection to supplement their cognitive ability, augment their problem-solving capacity, and build new ventures at a fraction of the current cost. This meta-trend will be driven by the convergence of global high-bandwidth connectivity, neural networks, cloud computing, every industry spanning industrial design, healthcare, education, and entertainment will be impacted. This is top 20 from Peter Diamandis. Uh, and that's number only number seven. Wow. AI human collaboration will skyrocket across all professions. I don't even know if I want to read. I mean, the headlines. Most individuals adapt a like software shell to improve their quality of life. As services like Alexa, Google Home, and Apple HomePod expand in functionality, such services will eventually travel beyond the home and become your cognitive prosthetic 24-7. Imagine a secure Jarvis-like software shell that you give permission to listen to all your conversations, read your email, monitor your blood chemistry. With access to such data, these AI-enabled software shells will learn your preferences, anticipate your needs and behavior, shop for you, monitor your health, and help you problem-solve in support of your mind and long-term goals. Wow. Number 10. Globally abundant, cheap, renewable energy. I hope that's true. Continued advancement in solar, wind, geothermal, hydroelectric, nuclear, localized grids will drive humanity towards a cheap, abundant, and ubiquitous renewable energy. I hope that's true. He talks about pricing here, too. Insurance industry transforms from recovery after risk to prevention of risk. Yeah, I mean, we're already already there with a lot of insurances right now, aren't we? 
Uh, you know, fire insurance pays you after your house burns down. Life insurance pays your next of kin after you die. Health insurance, which is really sick insurance, pays only after you get sick. This next decade, a new generation of insurance providers will leverage the convergence of machine learning, ubiquitous sensors, low-cost genome sequ- sequencing, and robotics to detect risk, prevent disaster, and guarantee safety before any costs are incurred. Right. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that. The house could burn. Oh, wow. That's a, wow. Uh, autonomous vehicles and flying cars will redefine human travel, soon to be far faster and cheaper. We'll see if that holds true, but okay. Uh, on demand production and on demand delivery will birth an instant economy of things. Urban dwellers will learn to expect instant fulfillment. I mean, we're almost there now. I mean, I joke around about that all the time, right? I want my toothpaste, and I want it dropped in front of my door right now, right? Uh, Robotic last-mile delivery services carry products from local supply depots directly to your doorstep, uh, further riding the deployment of regional on-demand digital manufacturing, 3D printing farms, individualized products can be obtained within hours, anywhere, anytime, this meta trend is driven by the convergence of networks, 3D printing, robotics, and artificial intelligence. Yeah, I mean, that's we're almost there now. Number 14 in Peter's list of the meta trends for 2020 ability to sense and know anything, anytime, anywhere. <laughs> wow. We're rapidly approaching the era wherein 100 billion sensors, the Internet of Everything, is monitoring and sensing imaging listening measuring every faucet of our environments all the time global imaging satellites drones autonomous cars and looking uh, augmented reality headset cameras are all part of the global central sensor matrix together allowing us to know anything anytime anywhere it's driven by the convergence of terrestrial atmospheric and space-based sensors vast data networks machine learning in this future, it's not what you know, but rather the quality of the questions you ask that will be most important. Wow. Disruption of advertising. As AI becomes increasingly embedded in everyday life, your custom AI will soon understand what you want better than you do. In turn, we will begin to both trust and rely on our AIs to make most of our buying decisions, turning over shopping to AI-enabled personal assistance. Your AI might make a purchase based upon your past desires, current shortages, conversations you've allowed your AI to listen to, or by tracking where your pupils focus on a virtual interface. (laughs) Oh, you like that. You looked at that for a second, didn't you? As a result, the advertising industry, which normally competes for your attention, whether at the Super Bowl or through search engines, will have a hard time influencing your AI. This meta trend is driven by the convergence of machine learning sensors. Well, but you know, that's, that, that's true, but with things that you talk about or think about, advertising will be able to influence what your AI purchases from things that you like, right? So your AI would be able to decide, well, I think, I think, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that Jeff would like this better, right? Uh, cellular agricultural moves from the lab. I mean, that's why, we, you know, we talk about something in our house and we, uh, this morning was a perfect example in my home. I'm talking to my wife. We're talking about watches and she, where she's t- bringing up a certain watch that she saw that she loves from 
Minuteman watches. And we're just talking about Minuteman watches and we're talking about some other watches and what watches we like and what watches we don't like. And then I decide, well, I better go. I want to check out my Instagram feed. Immediately, I get the Rolex ad. Okay. I mean, so then using that as an example, my AI would say, you know, Jeff needs a watch. When he needs a watch, does he get a Minuteman or does the ad, did he really like and look at for five seconds, the Rolex. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Cellular agricultural moves from the lab into inner cities, providing high-quality protein that is cheaper and healthier. We're going to witness the birth of the most ethical, nutritious, and environmentally sustainable protein production system devised by humankind. I hope that's true. Stem cell-based cellular agriculture will allow the production of beef, chicken, and fish anywhere on demand with a far higher nutritional content and a vastly lower environmental footprint than traditional livestock options. This metatrend is enabled by the convergence of biotechnology, material science, machine learning, and ag tech. Wow, so you're going to have to go someplace. Spe- we sell meat from made from live animals. Number 17, high bandwidth brain computer interfaces will come online for public use. Kurzweil is predicted that in the mid 2030s we'll begin connecting the human neocortex to the cloud. This next decade will see tremendous progress in that direction. First, serving those with spinal cord injuries, patients will regain both sensory capacity and motor control, beyond assisting those with motor functions loss. Uh, they're attempting now to supplement their baseline cognitive abilities, a pursuit with the potential to increase their sensor. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, memory and intelligence. Wow. If they, when we start, I mean, we're already seeing that with between material science, machine learning, and robotics. Number 18 in the top 20 from Peter Diamandis. High resolution VR will transform both retail and real estate shopping. High-resolution, lightweight virtual reality headsets will allow individuals at home to shop for everything from clothing to real estate from the convenience of their living room. Need a new outfit? Your AI knows your detailed body measurements and can whip up a fashion show featuring your avatar wearing the latest 20 designs on a runway. Want to see how your furniture might look inside a house you're viewing online? No problem. Your AI can populate the property with your visualized inventory and give you a guided tour. I like that. This meta-trend is enabled by the convergence of VR, machine learning, uh, and high bandwidth networks. Yeah. Number 19, increased focus on sustainability and the environment. Yeah, of course. Uh, And 20 in the top 20 from Peter for the meta-trends of 2020. CRISPR and gene therapies will minimize disease. Mm. A vast range of infectious diseases ranging from AIDS to Ebola coronavirus are now curable oh no coronavirus are curable you gotta drink mouthwash well, aids and ebola are now curable in addition gene editing technologies which they are going crazy on gene editing technologies continue to advance in precision and ease of use allowing families to treat and ultimately cure hundreds of inheritable genetic diseases this meta trend is driven by the convergence of various biotechnologies CRISPR gene therapy, genome sequencing, and artificial intelligence. I was just reading a big article on CRISPR and what they were doing and where they were uh, focusing on because they hadn't got it quite right. And they are close. And when that happens, we'll be able to make the perfect human. (laughs) Won't that be great? 